This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee on day one of the special session on gambling. The fun starts at one. Now that the CDC says you don't need a mask if you've been vaccinated, Florida businesses are trying to figure out how to keep their customers safe. They still have the right to require masking, and under a new Florida law, they cannot ask you for proof of vaccination. Former Seminole County tax collector Joel Greenberg has a date in federal court today. He's agreed to a plea bargain in a federal investigation of sex trafficking and agreed to testify against others. Florida Congressman Matt Gates is not mentioned by name in the plea deal. Carla Bruce's killer gets another chance to overturn his death sentence. The state's highest court has ordered new hearings for Joseph Smith and four other death row inmates. Ten new names have been added to Florida's Law Enforcement Hall of Fame. Their character, their leadership, and their service to their organizations and the broader law enforcement community. These things are what set these men and women apart. We'll also have the story of a Florida man who used to be a sheriff and will now be reviewing video of red light runners. This is tax day of 2021, the end of a one-month extension to file with the IRS. On a happier note, this is National Cherry Cobbler Day, National Walnut Day, and National Do Something Nice for Your Neighbor Day. On this date in 1527, a 600-man expedition left Spain to explore Florida. Only four survived. In 1946, President Harry Truman seized control of the railroads to delay a strike. In 1954, the U.S. Supreme Court unanimously ruled on Brown v. Board of Education, reversing the policy known as separate but equal. In 1973, the Senate Watergate Committee began its hearings. And on this date in 1980, rioters took to the streets of black neighborhoods in Miami after a jury refused to convict four cops who beat a black motorist to death after a traffic stop. His name was Arthur McDuffie. There were at least 18 deaths, 350 injuries, 600 arrests, and $100 million in property damage. The Florida Department of Health reported almost 2,500 new cases of COVID Sunday and 22 additional fatalities. Our death toll has reached 36,798. The total number of cases, 2,292,000. The number of people hospitalized for COVID complications in Florida continues to fall. It's down to about 2,400. State lawmakers are back in Tallahassee today for the start of a one-week special session on gaming. They'll be voting on a new 30-year deal between the state and the Seminole Tribe that would result in the largest expansion of gambling in Florida history. Under the new Seminole Compact, the tribe would be able to add three more casinos and offer Vegas-style games like craps and roulette at the rest of their casinos. The tribe would also become the hub for online sports betting statewide. In exchange, the Seminoles promise to pay the state at least half a billion dollars every year. Senate and House leaders have released a series of bills aimed at ratifying the compact, overhauling the gambling landscape, and setting up a Florida Gaming Control Commission to police the industry. Think of it as a PSC for high rollers. But even if lawmakers sign off on the deal, it will still need approval from the Department of Interior and could face a legal challenge because of the 2018 state constitutional amendment that requires voter approval of casino expansions. On Friday's podcast, John Suwinski, the president of No Casinos, said the compact would violate the state constitution and federal law. It conflicts with at least two constitutional amendments that we have in Florida. What they want to do also conflicts with at least two bodies of federal law, the Indian Gaming Regulatory Act and the the Federal Wire Act. And most importantly, it violates the trust of the people. The people of Florida, by a vote of 72 percent, passed Amendment 3. And what that amendment says is that Florida voters have the exclusive right 
to approve or not approve casino gambling in this state. And, uh, and, and we think that the words in the Constitution are pretty unequivocal. But in a memo to state lawmakers, Senate President Wilton Simpson said the proposed gaming legislation seeks to balance the requirements of the federal Indian gaming law, the complex paramutual regulatory structure established over decades, the need to enforce restrictions against illegal gambling, all the while adhering to the new constitutional restrictions on casino-style gaming. Good luck with that, Mr. President. The Senate has filed nine different gaming bills for the special session. At the other end of the Capitol, the House Speaker, Chris Sprouls, has created a Select Committee on Gaming, a Select Subcommittee on the Seminole Gaming Compact, a Select Subcommittee on Authorized Gaming Activity, and a Select Subcommittee on Gaming Regulation. Strap in, folks, it's going to be a wild week in Tallytown. Speaking of wild, former Seminole County tax collector Joel Greenberg has agreed to plead guilty to sex trafficking of a child and five other felonies under a proposed plea deal filed by the U.S. District Court in Orlando. Greenberg is at the center of a federal investigation that involves sex, drugs, prostitutes, including one who was under the age of 18, theft in office, fraud, stalking, and identity theft. The deal, which will be presented in open court today, drops 27 other felony charges against Greenberg and offers the chance of reduced sentences, but only if he cooperates with federal officials in the investigation and prosecution of others. No others were named in the agreement, but I think we all know that Congressman Matt Gates of Shalimar is sweating bullets for fear that his former wingman will turn him in. Gates was in Ohio over the weekend for a political summit where he told a crowd of GOP activists, I'm being falsely accused of exchanging money for naughty favors. Gates went on to say the real corruption is in Congress because he claims the process known as earmarking allows lawmakers to exchange money for political favors. The Florida Supreme Court orders new sentencing hearings for five death row inmates, including the man who killed an 11-year-old girl in Sarasota County. Carly Bruce's kidnapping and murder in 2004 drew national attention, and Joseph Smith was sentenced to die for the crime. But the state's highest court issued a one-paragraph order Friday for a do-over. The murder conviction still stands, but prosecutors will have to hold a new sentencing phase of the trial. That order came more than two months after Attorney General Ashley Moody's office pretty much acknowledged in a court ruling that Smith would have to be resentenced because of rulings last year by the Supreme Court in other cases. Those rulings came after a series of complicated death penalty developments that began five years ago when the U.S. Supreme Court found Florida's death penalty system was unconstitutional because it gave too much authority to judges and not enough to the juries. The Florida court also ordered new hearings for inmates David Francis, Pinckney Carter, Gerald Murray, and Brandon Lee Bradley. Police and deputies from across the state gathered in the courtyard of the state capitol Saturday to honor their heroes, adding 10 new names to the Florida Law Enforcement Hall of Fame. Rick Swearingen is the commissioner of the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. He says these were and are still the best of the blue. These 10 honorees have more than 380 years of law enforcement service. They represent diverse backgrounds in local, state, and federal law enforcement service. Each had a different career. But what you'll hear again and again is their character, their leadership, and their service to their organizations and the broader law enforcement community. These things are what set these men and women apart. They were visionaries. They were champions. And that's why we're honoring them today. Former Polk County Sheriff Lawrence Crowe started his career in Lakeland back in the 60s. And he says a lot has changed since then for the better. When I began my career in 1962, uh, there was no minimum standards. The department was still segregated, and it was a challenge. Uh, But our nation has come through that challenge. We uh, have come a long way 
from the days when I began. In fact, I told one of the uh, officers a little earlier, I would hate to be starting my career right now instead of finishing it because of the difficulties and uh, uh, the decisions that we have to make and the problems in our community. We have come a long ways. Uh, I'm proud of, of uh, what we achieved. Uh, with the Sheriff's Office, I had a great agency. I had surrounded myself with quality people. One of the guys that worked for me uh, and is now Sheriff is Grady Judd. Most of you have probably heard that name. If you haven't, ask him about it and he'll tell you. But. <laughs> Donna Uzel got her start at the Tallahassee Police Department, then went on to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, where she inaugurated the Missing Children's Program, the Amber Alert System, and the Silver Alert. She also served on the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School Task Force after the shooting at Parkland, and she is the first woman to join Florida's Hall of Fame. I have certainly been blessed with a wonderful and fulfilling career. And first and foremost, like others, I thank God and give him all the glory for the opportunities that I have had in my life. Whether it was at the Tallahassee Police Department or FDLE, I always felt that my ideas and suggestions were welcomed by leadership. I believe the real heroes of today are those of you who are leading the charge in the world we now live in. You are working through some of the most challenging times our profession has ever seen, and you're taking on additional responsibilities every day you put that uniform bat and badge on. I pray for you, and I am confident that the future in law enforcement is in great hands. Another Hall of Famer who broke barriers is Nathaniel Glover, who was elected sheriff of Jacksonville in 1999, becoming the first black sheriff elected in Florida since the Reconstruction era following the Civil War. He talked about being arrested as a young man for stealing two napkins from a Morrison's cafeteria, about his determination to become an officer, and about the challenges facing cops during the Black Lives Matter era. I feel honored to be here. Now, as you all know, law enforcement is under a little scrutiny now, but I'll tell you this, we're going to get through this. We will get through this. We've been here before. We met the challenges. We met the challenges of minority officers. We met the challenges of bringing females into law enforcement. We met the challenge of profiling. And each time we went through those challenges in law enforcement, we came out better as a profession. And this time might be a little painful, but we're going to come out of it and we're going to be better. So I thank Florida Department of Law Enforcement for this designation and the effort that's been put into it. And having been a sheriff and having been a college president, education and law enforcement, I know how important each is. And I think when you look at the state of Florida, you've got some of the best law enforcement in this country. After serving as sheriff, Glover went on to serve as president of Edward Waters College in Jacksonville. William Romine started his career as an auxiliary officer at the Holmes Beach Police Department back in 1979, worked his way up to chief. He talked about the need for compassion in the profession. 
I spent my 18th birthday riding in a Florida Highway Patrol car with a young trooper named Mike Rushing. And he became a role model for me and a mentor for me because he taught me compassion in policing. When we stopped a couple of cars, he wrote them tickets, stopped another car going faster than the first two, he wrote them a warning. And I was afraid to say anything. Um, got back in the car and I said, I got to ask you, Mike, you wrote the other two tickets and you didn't write the last one a ticket. Back in those days, there was no car seats or anything like that. And there was a toddler that was running around the back seat of the car. And Mike said, did you see that baby in the back seat of that car? I said, yeah, diaper, no shoes, no shirt, anything else. He said, I could have written that guy a ticket. And coincidentally, back in those days, tickets were $25 a piece. So you could, you could write a ton of them, unlike today. And uh, he said, I could have written the guy a ticket. He deserved it. But that money is not coming out of his beer or cigarette money. It's going to come out of that baby's money. And he said, my opinion, baby needs that money more than the state of Florida does. And that stuck with me forever. And I told that to every officer I ever hired to try to instill that same thing. And now it's kind of cool because I get to tell it to every recruit that comes through the Law Enforcement Academy because it's a mindset and it's a way of policing. And it's the way I felt was the right way of policing and um, try to pass that on. When I found out who else was going to be inducted into this, I felt so honored, and I still do. But I'll tell you what else I feel today after listening to those three. I feel young again. Um, it's, it's just like been rejuvenating for me to sit there and do the math and go, let's see, I was two. Um, I was eight. I wasn't born yet. I'm used to hearing that from other people. And Chief Remind was also one of the youngsters at this ceremony. When I found out who else was going to be inducted into this, I felt so honored, and I still do. But I'll tell you what else I feel today after listening to those three. I feel young again. Um, when, it's, it's just like been rejuvenating for me to sit there and do the math and go, let's see, I was two. Um, I was eight. I wasn't born yet. I'm used to hearing that from other people. The ceremony was a twofer. Last year's Hall of Fame induction was canceled because of the pandemic, so they doubled up this year. Your calendar of events today, well, the House Minority Leader Evan Jenny holds an online media avail in advance of the special session on gaming. The House and Senate convene at 1 o'clock to start the special session. The Senate Appropriations Committee meets at 2. When that's done, the Special Order Committee will decide which bills get on the Senate floor. The House Select Subcommittee on Authorized Gaming Activity meets at 3.30. The House Select Subcommittee on Gaming Regulation meets at 3.30. And the House Select Subcommittee on Seminole Gaming Compact meets at 3.30. Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Patronis holds a press conference at a Bay County fire station at 9 to talk about pandemic protection funding. At 9.30, Congressman Darren Soto joins the Florida Alliance of Retired Americans for a Zoom conference to talk about federal reforms that could lower prescription drug prices. The Everglades Foundation and Florida Realtors hold an online news conference at 10 to talk about the importance of Everglades restoration. 
Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed takes part in an online discussion at 1030 about a project where University of Central Florida students are documenting the experiences of veterans in agriculture. The trustees of Seminole State College hold a budget workshop at noon, followed by a board meeting at 2, and trustees at Tallahassee Community College meet at 2.30. Finally today, after running the largest law enforcement agency in South Florida and losing his job after the Parkland school shooting, a Florida man has been hired to review video of red light runners. Former Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel will be paid $65,000 a year to review the footage from five cameras in the town of Davie and appear in court if someone challenges a ticket. The former sheriff's new title will be Traffic Infraction Enforcement Officer. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. 